is married to Brandon, and they have the two sugars, Asher and Judah. Okay? And then we've got Luke, who today is Luke's birthday. He's 27 years old. Woo! 27. He's getting a little crinkly around the... <laughs> and Luke is married to Jen. And Luke and Jen are our youth pastors, and Jen just took over our children's. And then we have Katie, the princess. Katie is the baby of the family. Katie's 21. And as we sit up here and we talk about, uh, you know, high expectations for our family and for our children, I want to just say, first off, you know, Larry and I have had the privilege to be in ministry for 32 years, something like that, and, and we've traveled all over the world. We've lived in Australia six years, pastored over there, pioneered. We've pioneered seven churches. We've done a lot of things. We've got, you know, this going, that going. But my greatest accomplishment, my greatest pride and joy is right here before you. And I'm so proud of my kids. And they are not only my greatest pride and joy, but they're my closest friends and comrades. And so, you know, family can be a wonderful, wonderful thing couple scriptures. Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Amen? Proverbs 29, 17. Correct your son and he will give you rest. <laughs> yes, he will give you delight to your soul. <laughs> and that's a true scripture. And you fathers and mothers... Do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. What that's saying is there's a lot of ways to correct your kids that are going to produce harmful effects, that are going to create hostility, but there's a way to correct them and to keep them on the path that comes from the Lord. And then Isaiah 54, 13, I love this. All your children shall be taught by the Lord and great shall be the peace of your children. How many need some peace in your homes? Home is the most important place in the world. Family is the most important people in the world. Now, in this place today, we've got a diversity here. We've got married couples. We've got single moms, single dads. We've got single people that maybe someday you want to get married. Listen, today, this is a message not just for people that are in the family unit right now, but this is to help all of us to figure out when we get there, how to make it work. Amen? Okay. I tell my kids their whole lives, I said, you know what? Thousands of people will come in and out of our lives, but families forever. We're always going to be together. So, you know, don't forsake family and put everybody else first because thousands of people will come through our lives. And sometimes we give our best to everybody else, but give little scrappy leftovers to our family. And we need to understand family is forever. And family is the thing that God wants us to put first. We all work jobs. We all do all these things. We are in the ministry, maybe, whatever it is. But even in the ministry, family comes first. Larry has said this many times that, you know, things that we had seen in the ministry where people lose their families, lose their kids, lose their marriage, you know, because of the ministry. You know what? That's not God. And that's not the way it's meant to be. It's not like, well, God, I guess I'm paying such a heavy price for you that I'm just, you know, I lost my family because I served you so, so well. That's not right. It's not right. And I want to say it out loud and say it boldly. I want to reverse that curse. I'm tired of that. I don't believe it's right. I'm not condemning anybody, but I'm telling you from a God standpoint from the Bible, we are not to forsake our families. Home is where we build the foundations that our whole life is built upon. Home is the heart of everything that we grow in to be. Our emotions, our levels of security, the confidence that we carry into life, the values, the traditions, the morals, our spirituality, our people skills, our social skills, everything that we will become as adults is birthed right there in the family, right there in the home. And so sometimes we think that the little years aren't that important or whatever, but listen, we have this little window of opportunity to affect these people that are going to 
be the adults and be the, wor the, the leaders of the world. With our kids, you know, we have a little portal, a little window of opportunity to love them unconditionally. Let them feel love unconditionally. Let them learn to love unconditionally. Let them learn how to have manners, how to be polite. You know, home is where we teach them life skills. Home is where they learn manners and respect. Home is where they learn how to cooperate and to get along and to give in. Home is where they find and display their talents. We're their first audience and the family is their first stage. Not just the, for publicly performing, but for everything that they do. And so they, they get so much from the home that, that goes into their adult life. It's where we nurture their creativity and dreams, where we are able to push them in the direction of their natural giftings and talents. It stretches their imagination at home. They learn their values, their boundaries, their limits, their traditions, and their belief system. The core values are learned in the home. And let me tell you this, it's not just about teaching, it's about living it. We teach what we know, we reproduce who we are. And children are little sponges. And I'll tell you from my own experience, you think your kids aren't listening? Watch out what you say. These little kids come up here. It's prayer time. We used to laugh at this back in our first church in Santa Fe. We'd have the, the little kids. What are your prayer requests, little guys, little three and four-year-olds? I want to pray that mommy and daddy quit fighting at home. <laughs> I want to pray that mama quit smoking. <laughs> I want daddy to quit saying naughty words. <laughs> you know, they, they, they get it. And they're little sponges. And they absorb all of those things. But guess what? They absorb the wonderful things that we put in their hearts. You'll have kids sitting in church. They might, my kids used to have to sit in church. They'd be coloring or playing their little deals, whatever. But they would hear every story. They would hear every scripture. They would begin to regurgitate what was just put into them at church. We thought maybe they weren't paying attention, but they were sponges absorbing it all. And the wonderful thing is when you put it in, it comes back out. You make a deposit, it comes back out. Garbage in, garbage out. Wonderful things in, wonderful things out. Now, none of us is perfect. We're going to make mistakes. We're human beings. But we're on a path. And we're getting better. From glory to glory, God is changing us. And guess what? If we make a mistake or we stumble or we've got some history, the wonderful thing about God is in one second he can turn it around. The second wonderful thing about God is all things work together for the good of those that love God. You know, our kids, our family, they've faced challenges with us for 30 years over the course of our life. They've faced these challenges with us. And God formed things in their hearts. And God did works in their hearts even through the tough times and worked beautiful things out of it. Home is also where we are loved unconditionally, where we learn to love unconditionally. It's where we can laugh till we cry and cry till we laugh. Home is where we learn to be forgiven and learn how to forgive. Home is where we learn our people skills that will go into life. It creates a confidence in our kids to be able to reach for the stars. Family creates the backdrop of our dreams and gives us the backbone to fulfill our dreams. Home and family is the wind beneath our wings. It is what gives us the confidence to go into life and become successful. And you know why social skills are so important? Because when you get into the world, statistics show that success in business is 20% product knowledge, 80% people skills. So I think it's so important that we teach our kids, as little kids, how to be successful, how to, to function in this world. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, a couple other scriptures. That This is my probably one of my most favorite scriptures is out of Proverbs. Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows all the issues of life. And I've... I teach this almost in every message I throw this in because the truth is we have to guard our hearts and we have to teach our kids to guard their hearts because out of your heart comes every decision, comes every action, comes every determining factor that will lead you into the destiny 
that God has for you or will keep you from the destiny that God has for you. So out of your heart comes so many issues, okay? And so I, one thing I want to say is that boundaries and disciplines, let's look at it as so much more than just do's and don'ts. You know, Christianity is not just about do's and don'ts. It's not just about here's what we do as a Christian, here's what we don't do as a Christian. It's about equipping us from the inside out to have a whole different set of want-tos, to have a whole different set of values, to set our standards higher than the world. And I showed you last week how, you know, on the steps, when we begin to lower our standards or lower the standards for our children, maybe it's just one little step at a time. And we look at the, the state of the world and we think, well, they're certainly better than the world. You know, we, we, we compromise our values in certain ways. And, it's, well, we're not as bad as some people. We're not as bad as what you see on TV. Next thing you know, we one more step down. And then we kind of settle into that. And, well, you know, we're still pretty good. We're not doing so bad. Maybe we're not as good as them, but we're not as bad as them. Pretty soon, one more step. You keep compromising, compromising. You're going to end up on a slippery slope to hell. You know, I'm, I'm not going to talk about hell today, but I am. You can have hell on earth. You know, let alone eternity. So keep your standards high. Keep your expectations high for your kids. And we just create that. So maybe we've compromised in some areas, but we're going to turn that thing around. Amen? We're going to get on a new path. So Christianity, Larry and I have discovered, it's not so much about scaring and intimidating people about these terrible, terrible things that are going to happen in your life. Let's say it, let's say it like this. Instead of telling your kids, if you do this, you're going to end up with that. How about telling them, if you do this, you're going to end up with this. You know, instead of scaring and intimidating, you're motivating them to the great, wonderful blessings that God has for them. Amen? So, we're going to talk about three areas that we need to create boundaries in. Spiritual, emotional, and behavior. First, we're going to talk about spiritual. And I have these statistics from the Barna Institute. They did a survey uh, some years ago. And it's a huge report, but let me just give you a couple statistics. They say that um, nearly half of all Americans who accept Jesus Christ as their Savior do so before reaching the age of 13. Now, you're, you're going to have the supernatural salvations, like with Larry or with me or things where just, you know, people that never had any religious background get converted. And we see much, much more of that than most churches, believe me. But in the overall statistics, most adults that serve God and most salvations come before the age of 13. Now, why is that so important to understand? Because our children are not only vulnerable to the world, they are sensitive to the Spirit of God. And they are, they are in their formative years. So our children, our teenagers, are more vulnerable not only to the bad influence, but to the good influence than ever again they will be in their lives. Adults can get saved. We see masses of them here. But overall, understand, your children are sensitive to spiritual things. And it says, two out of three born-again Christians made their commitment to Christ before their 18th birthday. Uh, People who become Christians before their teen years are more likely than those converted when they're older to remain absolutely committed to Christianity. Americans who embraced Christ during their high school or college years are less likely than other believers to describe themselves as deeply spiritual. See, the sooner you grab them and hook them and train them, the more chances you have of them staying committed to the Lord through their whole life. Isn't that Isn't that awesome? You know why that encourages me? Because you hear so much and we live in such fear of the world influencing our children. This is our hope. 
Not only are they going to be influenced by the world if we don't do the right thing, but thank God they have a million times more chance of responding to the gospel and wanting to get plugged in. This is the formative years of their life. So it's not so much about the do's and don'ts. It's about hooking them on the spiritual aspect of serving God, letting God be real in their lives. There's an old saying, you guys have heard me say this, but God has no grandchildren. In other words, every generation has to have a personal experience with the Lord. I could tell you in all of my kids the day they first made their commitment to the Lord and were touched by God. You remember? I do remember when I got saved. And what's funny is that I know for a fact that it was before I was six years old because we still lived in Australia. Really? Yeah, and I remember... You know, I don't think I've ever even had this conversation with my mom, but I remember she was sitting in the audience with me and my, my dad was preaching and I remember the Holy Spirit, uh, just touching my life and, and my mom seeing that. And I, you know, I'm, I'm sick, I'm younger than six years old. I'm not, I'm less than two years older than these guys. And my mom said, do you want to go down? And I'm crying and I felt God call me, you know, I felt God call me at, uh, you know, at you know, less than seven years old. So yeah, I totally remember it to this day. And so, you know, even growing up in church, it's awesome because I didn't just grow up at church in church, just realizing I was a Christian, even growing up in church, there was a day where I accepted Christ into my life. No kidding. No kidding. And then made continual choices through your walk with the Lord. Yeah, absolutely. There's really some vulnerable spots at children's age. It's about that age, you know, honestly, there are certain ages where kids are more sensitive than at any other age because they're, you know, six, you're starting to go into school. There's Mm -hmm. this and that. Then when they're around 11 and 12, they're going into their teen years. There's an incredible sensitivity at that age. And there's also as parents, we need to guide them through those transitions of their lives because when they go to school, boy, they got to be prepped in a way that they're able to carry that Christianity out of the church doors and into their environment. Then when they go into junior high, it's also a critical time because they're going into a whole nother level of peer pressure. So you've got to be sensitive, be on it, be on it, be on it, but be prepping them and walking them through these things and talking about the challenges that they're facing. When you got baptized in Australia in the ocean. Well, I was going to say when Luke was talking about that, um, you know, when, from the time that I can remember, we weren't just passengers Mm -hmm. in your journey and dad's journey and your walk with the Lord. We were partners, participants, participants fully. And I got baptized when I was little and it wasn't just a fun, cute little thing. It really meant something to me. I knew that it was important. I knew the meaning of it. Um, and while you guys were never like in a weird, strange way, encouraging of that sort of thing with us, it was always, you know, a discussion of, did the Lord touch you today? You know, or praying together and really believing that even as little children, that the Lord would speak to us, move on us, move yeah. through us yeah. in our friends' lives to be influences. But, you know, really that we weren't just passengers. We weren't just coming to church um, as, you know, little people that didn't really have anything yeah. to do with what was happening. Yeah, that's good. Does that make sense? Yeah. It was really important that it was a part of our experience as well that every you know because it was real in your lives mm-hmm. it was real for us yeah. because you included us in all that and and expected us yeah. to be there and for it to be important to us that it was fun it was exciting we're going to church this is just our life mm-hmm. but at the same time there was also an expectation that let the lord touch you today you yeah. know i want to see you praying i want to see mm-hmm. you trying to to touch the lord amen and so that's how we grew up yeah we never knew any different yeah that's good that's really good and this is you know i think that you know, it's so important that, of course, my kids are in the ministry with us, and we're a family committed to ministry our whole lives, but honestly, we face the same kind of disconnection issues that you do. I know sometimes people deal with this, and many, many families in ministry deal with this, is how do you connect to your kids? How do you connect their faith into where you want them to go? 
And um, these are real critical points. And I think it's really important what Anna and, and Luke have said here is that, you know, we kept our kids connected to what we were doing. And they were not only expected, you know, it's not like we just expected or demanded that they were involved. We involved them. And so as, as we faced uh, a life of, like, for instance, you know, Wednesday night is, is, is church. Wednesday night is a night that we've always had church. Well, even there were sports and activities that we had to not be involved with so that the kids could be in church. I remember, you know, when you started T-ball and we were so excited about T-ball and then all of a sudden all the T-ball was on Wednesday nights. And so we had to make a choice to pull out of that. So what we tried to do was to compensate with our kids. Okay, guess what? We're going to give this up, but guess what? We're going to get this. We're going to gain this. So maybe you can't be involved here or be able to do that, but let's create something really awesome at church. Let's create something spiritually that is going, that God's going to bless you for this. And our kids have always been firsthand involved in not only what we're doing, but in creating ministries for the young people and the youth. I mean, we've got pictures and stuff of when our kids were little and they were involved in the church plays. Not only involved, but having to ha- make it happen. <laughs> they created the hip-hop dance teams and, you know, all the things that we've done over the years. And, and we've always told our kids, you know, you have to be involved. But the choice to have your heart involved is yours. And so we've pushed them along that path. But thank the Lord, you know, they've stayed on that path and their heart has always been involved. They've always been soul winners. They've always, uh, you know, stayed plugged in to the church. And, and I think the reason they've stayed involved is because their heart is in it. We've taught them how to have a love and a relationship with the Lord. It's not just about church. And same thing in your families. It's not just about coming to church or feeling an obligation or do's and don'ts. It's number one about having that relationship with the Lord. And what the kids are all saying is that, you know, as parents, we tried to really be sensitive to that. And watching them and looking for those moments and saying, is this, you want to pray? You know, and maybe we'd prayed earlier when they were little, but there was a moment when I saw God moving on them. I said, come on, let's go pray. Let's let, God's doing something special in your life right now. And these were turning points and entrance portals. You know, they were an open door. So we walked through them and, and then we walked through the choices of life. And, you know, Brandon, I think we were talking the other day about this. I think this was really cool what you were saying. You know, Brandon was raised in a ministry home, but his dad was an evangelist. So they didn't have necessarily a home church all the time for him to get plugged into with, with the peers. And so... What, t- tell them what happened when you came to New Beginnings and your parents came on staff and you got involved in the youth ministry. I was just really fortunate. to. I was at a perfect place at, at the perfect time because you're right. Kids, especially around the teenage years, if they don't have something or influence, positive influence in their life, impacting them at all times, it's really, really challenging to yes. get your kids on course. And that's the most yeah. important time. Yeah. A lot of you teenagers know what I'm saying. And I practically lived with my youth pastor. And one thing that's uh, a good point to point out is you and Larry have always picked out a really good team. Yeah. You know, when it comes to building your churches, part of the success in that is your ability to pick people to help you influence and impact those people's lives. You can't impact everybody yourself, but I tell you what, there's no better person to have than Luke to to speak into your, your young person's life, you know what I'm saying? So if I didn't have the church, I didn't have that influence. I mean, most kids were going after school to practice and whatnot, and I had practice, like, things like that, but I practically lived with the church, and that's really what made the difference in... It really is, yeah. It really did, That's good. That's good, Brandon. I just want to speak from a different standpoint, you know, how you're talking about two out of three children that receive Christ when when they're at a young age, that they won't depart from that. Right. And um, my family was a little bit different. We were raised in church up until sixth grade, and then my parents got divorced. Um, And then I kind of went through a time where I wasn't in church. And then I had met Luke when I was 17, and he got me going to church. And I saw the excitement and the love, and I just craved it. So when I was 17, 
I gave my life to the Lord, mm-hmm. and I was so radical because I saw the example of what Brandon was saying of the leadership, yeah. and I saw, wow, you know, I can make a difference, and so by taking that example and, you know, taking the Word of God and then sharing it with my friends, I saw that replacement in my heart yeah. that was, you know, that void that you fill before you come to the Lord. Yeah. Well, that was filled up because I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And then I was serving just like you guys. Yeah. It was different because uh, I didn't really have that example. I wasn't always made to go to church. So, and I was in sports and things like that. So then coming into the Lord, that's all I wanted to do was be at church because of your example. Amen. You were raised in church till about sixth grade. Then your parents got divorced. Yes. And the boundaries changed and and slackened up. And you followed the course Mm -hmm. of the boundaries that your parents let you explore. Well, absolutely. And the thing about, um, you know, when your parents, you know... People have issues in their lives, and and you have that, you know, that foundation of the Bible, like my parents did, but there was just issues that they couldn't work out, so they got divorced, and as a child, you're seeing that, and, and you're seeing the family life kind of, you know, go through some changes, and as a kid, all you want is your parents to be together, and mm-hmm. that's how you see Jesus, mm-hmm. and so when those boundaries were different, you know, my as my parents got divorced you know, they felt like they couldn't go to church anymore because, you know, just they didn't want to, you know, let their kids down or anything. So anyways, uh, the, there weren't really any boundaries. We could do pretty much what we wanted. I'm not saying that in a dishonoring way. I'm just saying that, uh, once you lighten up the reins at home, then you can't really expect what you used to expect before. And so I craved the boundaries. I wanted somebody to say, hey, you need to be home at 10 o'clock, you know? Mm -hmm. And I wasn't out, you know, creating havoc around town or anything, but I just wanted someone to say, no, you know, get this done, and then you can go and play or do whatever. So, you know, growing up as a young kid, you know, the boundaries kind of lightening up. Yeah. You begin to crave that again because you want to know that there's structure Mm -hmm. and that someone's counting on you to do something. You put the responsibility in the kid's plate. And I think that's why, you know, uh, I just so craved what you guys had because I saw the boundaries. Like Mm -hmm. immediately when I came to the church, I knew there was boundaries. You know, I knew that, you know, dating wasn't it really wasn't an option and all of those things because I saw the presence. I saw the influence. It wasn't so much said. It was just known and lived. Mm -hmm. And so I always wanted someone to say, you know what, that's, that's not a good idea. You know, you know, they do, they have done studies, uh, psychological studies about how boundaries create security in children. You've probably heard this before. But they've done studies where they'll put kids on a playground and have no fence around the playground. And the kids just naturally huddle to the center to feel secure. But then they put them on a playground that has fences and the kids are everywhere. They're close to the fences. They're everywhere because they feel the security of the boundaries. And it's the same way in creating boundaries, emotional, spiritual, or behavioral, for our kids. You know, we always end up feeling guilty or feeling like we're being too hard as parents on our kids, don't we? I mean, I live every day. It's like, oh, was I too hard? Was I blah, 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 you know? But, and we do the best we can, thank God. But the boundaries, they create a sense of security for the kids. And like Jen was saying, when her family let up on the boundaries, she longed for those boundaries. Now she was going to push it as far as they let them. <coughs> kids will do that. But in their heart, in their core, their, the kids know that love computes out, that you're holding them accountable, that you're creating boundaries, that you're creating a path whereby you, you, they can be successful on. And, and parents that, that, you know, allow their kids too much liberty, uh, this liberty that is in our generations today, in our culture, is actually imprisoning the kids. It isn't liberating them and helping them. It's imprisoning them. 
Now they're going to push it to the max, but it's going to backfire on them eventually, and it's going to backfire on the parents. Obviously, Brandon and I are new parents and certainly don't consider ourselves experts, but I do know that parenting already, it's, it's tough, and it's, you know, most of the time for me, it's a challenge to be vigilant yeah. about the boundaries and the standards I expect from these guys. Yeah. And I know that that's a challenge in all parenting, but especially as a single parent, you know, I've seen that struggle, Mm -hmm. um, to constantly be the one that has to set the standard that has to reinforce those expectations and always be on top of it. I know that that is tricky and it can be wearying. Yeah. Um, and when I was a teenager, just, you know, to follow up about this and also what Brandon said, Several of my closest friends were children of divorce, and they, their moms were single moms in our church. True. And it was always, the, you know, good kids. There yeah. were good kids. We all were serving the Lord together, but always pushing the mom because she'd get tired. Yeah. She would be tired of saying, no, you have to be home at this time. No, you can't just go spend all that money. Yeah. You know, I'm a single mom. Yeah. <laughs> and it was a constant, always butting heads. And there were family issues that had followed those kids into, you know, um, adolescence and mm-hmm. stuff. And there's always going to be some, some heart issues at the same time. And we just want you to know as parents, but especially as single parents, I know there are a lot of single parents in our church here that like Brandon was saying, you know, um, there's a team here that's in place to, to be advocates for you. And our youth pastor was always, when we were teenagers, he was so great about being an advocate and an ally with especially the single parents Mm -hmm. of the youth in our church to be their ally, to say, you know, Hey, your mom told me that she told you to be home on Saturday. You never came home. Where were you? Oh, and he had a really high standard for us as our youth pastor. And we were so involved in the youth that the parents really relied on him kind of to be secondary eyes and ears, watching out for their kids. And it was really like almost, um, a marriage, Mm -hmm. a partnership, Mm -hmm. you know, and I know that Luke's heart and Jen's heart and and the other pastors here on staff is really to be your advocate in any area that you need. But especially as a parent, you can rely on them to reinforce what you're trying to establish with your kids, not to contradict or not to have different expectations, but really to say, okay, this is what you're expecting of your kids. Let me help you. Let me help follow up with that here at church on a peer level on a big brother sort of level, on a pastor level. And so you can rely on that. You can come to them anytime. I know that they, you know, Jen's always talked about, bring them here, just get them here and yeah. we'll do the rest. And it really is the truth of that. And, and I saw that so much in my own teenage years where my friends, you know, that were single, came from single parent families. The youth pastor really was the biggest advocate for those families. That's true. We want to help you to raise good kids. Okay. Anything else on that? I could speak on that a little bit from experience. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, I think two things. I think that one, you know, the parent is intended to be the most influential person in a young person's life. I mean, that's God's intention. Mm -hmm. And obviously, like Anna's saying, that's a huge responsibility and that can be wearing. So I think Anna's really, uh, really correct in, in, the, the idea that that partnership between the parent and the, the pastors can mm-hmm. be so productive in your young person's life. Um, because every young person is going to go through a stage in their life where they want to test the limits. Yeah. And they want to see if everything that you've been telling them and everything that their pastor's been telling them is really the way that they should really live. And I went through that stage in my life as well. But the thing of it is, is that if they've been in church... Uh, for the majority of their life, then they have something to compare the world to. Yeah. If they haven't been in the church and they go out there and they think that what the world offers is all that there is, then they have nothing to compare to. So it is so important for them to have involvement, not only attend church, but involvement in church. Because through involvement in church, they begin to realize how awesome it is to serve God. Yeah. Because you know, they're going to end up helping people and they're going to end up experiencing what life is truly meant to be. And so if they go through that stage, 
uh, where they go out and they want to be in the world for a little bit and, and, and test the waters, they're going to have something to compare to. And they're going to say, you know what? I don't want that. Amen. I don't want that. And, and here's something that I just real quickly want to speak Amen. to. That's Amen. Good. Here's something that I want to speak to is I want to, I want to, uh, I want to validate uh, the sacrifice that young people do go through to live for the Lord. It is a sacrifice, yes, you know, uh, you know, I really, really can relate to this growing up that, you know, us as kids, we didn't do everything that everybody else did. We weren't allowed to. And, but the thing of it is, is that our parents always instilled in us that they would say to us, listen, you're not like the world. You're a Christian. Or they would say, you're a huck. And when I couldn't go to the dances or I couldn't hang out with these kids and I couldn't do all these things that genuinely were a sacrifice to me, that I genuinely wanted to do, not necessarily things that are bad things for kids to do, just things that potentially could influence me in a wrong way. Or if you're, if you're uh, comparing them to things I could be doing with my church friends, that I should be doing the things with my church friends. If I have the opportunity to go and hang at the dances and all this kind of things, okay, maybe I'm not going to get in a whole bunch of trouble. But if I, if it's between that and then going and going to band practice to play on the worship team, let's encourage those things. So there is a sacrifice that you do encourage your children to, um, to give. But here's the thing is that that you are investing every time you take that stand and it's hard and you're, and you're, you're tired of having to explain why, okay, you are investing into your children because here's what will happen. If they ever are faced, which they will be faced at one point, they'll move out and they'll live on their own and they'll be able to do whatever they want to do. At that point, If they've spent all these years in the church and they've gone on mission trips and they've prayed for kids at camp and they've led someone to the Lord on a street or something, they are, that is going to be so valuable to them. They're going that, that their life that they have spent living for the Lord is not going to be something that they'll just toss out just so that they can, you know, be popular one night or just party one night. And maybe they do face some temptations, but ultimately that thing is going to be valuable. And that's what we were, that's that's how we were raised. And, and because our parents instructed us and, and put boundaries on us that ultimately forced us to invest into our relationships with God, our relationships with God came, became so valuable to us that we didn't want to just toss them out. And so when the opportunities came to us where we could make the decisions on our own to be in the world or be in the church, we thought, yeah, you know what? I don't want what the world has because Amen. I've experienced a lot of good things in the Lord. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Good word, Luke. That's a good word. It is an investment. And look, I understand that, you know, we're living in a big city here, and we're right in the middle. Now, part of the reason we chose to be in the middle of this city is to draw people from everywhere. That's good. The downside is you got to come from everywhere to get here. And I know on Wednesdays, sometimes it's like, you know, there's a lot of conflicts to get here. There's a lot of conflicts, you know, to get your kids into church. But I see parents all over this city that put their kids into sports every day of the week. Moms that are soccer moms or hockey moms or whatever. They're driving their kids to every kind of event. Look, the most important event you can get them to is church. All of those other things are great. But when you get your kid's heart connected to God and connected to church and to God's people, when my kids were little, little did I ever dream they would be sitting here with me as adults, you know, helping to train the next generation. You know, sometimes we're so short-sighted with our kids. You know, the biggest investment that you can give to them is to connect their hearts to the Lord. Let them be involved in church facilitate them. You know, last week I told you about, you know, as parents, we need to facilitate the dreams and the visions of our kids. If they've got a heart for sports, then moms, dads, let's take them there. If they've got a heart for music, let's expose them to things. If they're, if they love art, let's get them to museums and these things. But my goodness, above all things, let's get them to church. Let's get them involved. You know, you've got the best example here. 
you've got, you bring them into this environment. We hug and love on those kids every week. We got the greatest teaching for the little ones. We got the greatest teaching for the teens. We got people that are ready to pour their hearts and investment into them. We want to partner with you. So let's get them here and let's, let's, let's push them down that path a little bit if we have to. Sometimes we pull them and we draw them. Sometimes we push them and we prod them. Whatever it takes, get them in the house. When I was interested in Anna, and Anna and I were, you know, talking about marriage and things like that, you know, one of the things that Anna and uh, Larry talked about was, you know what, okay, you guys want to get married. We'd already been together for like a year, and Anna and I were like, we're in love, and we just want to get married. And, uh, <laughs> and, and Larry says, you know what, if you guys, uh, if you want to get married, I want you to wait one more year. Yeah. And I was like, wow, another year. Another year. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a whole whole another year. So I said, you know what? Okay, I'll do that. And it was almost like I really saw the, you guys cherished your most prized possession in, I raised this child. I'm not just going to give him to anybody, you know? And so that was an extreme, you know, yeah. I came to my father and my father knew Larry 30 years on back, whatever. And I said, dad, you know, I'm really interested in Anna and and, and I'd like to marry her. And my dad says, oh, Brandon. He says, "Do you realize he's a he's a bad dude? Are you sure? You know, and bad I, in the sense, of, in sense of he's a tough guy. Tough you know, guy. you don't want to make any mistakes. No, absolutely, that wasn't, wasn't my intention at all. You know, but he he uh, don't want to get on his bad side. Absolutely, but to make my point clear, when I was married, from the day I said I do, and he handed me his his daughter's hand, I'll tell you what." He is the, and I'm not just saying this again to win brownie points, but he really is, as you guys know, he's like, he has his masters in motivation. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) He really knows how. He's never told me what to do, how to do it. This is what you're going to do. I want you to do it this way. The only things he, I I can come to him and talk to him about anything, just like I can come to talk to you. And he says, you know what? You might want to try this. You might want to do this. But he's, his whole outlook on life is you could be, facing anything, but he's the most self-motivating person that will just influence you that way. So I can encourage you guys to live out your, your path with your kids in that route. As, may, as hard as it may be through the day-to-day life and the challenge it may be, man, learn from him, learn from, the, from you, and, and just uh, consider that and allow them to help you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because that is like, I really look up to that, and that's how I want to raise these guys. Amen. That's awesome, Brandon. That's good. There are some choices that have been made to create good results and to go down a good path. And one of these things is the home environment that we create. And it's very easy to just let chaos and turmoil take over your home. It's very easy to let strife take over your home and to always be focusing on our differences or to focus on the problems or to focus on the negatives. Look, you know what? Let's take the high road. We have these very small segments of time to get with our family, to create a positive. You know, when we get together, we don't talk about negative stuff. We don't talk about problems. We don't talk about issues. We don't talk about, you know, things that are going to stir up strife. When we come together, we make a deliberate point to celebrate that time, to have a wonderful time together, to have fun together. We've learned how to, you know, have fun together. And so, like, our, com- our family conversations, we're either talking about the Lord or what God is doing. You know, Anna said to somebody once, we, in our family, we don't have, like, normal conversations. We're t- we talk about world events. We talk about what's going on in Rwanda. or Yeah, we don't chit-chat and small talk. We're either talking about what the Lord is doing around the world. We, we celebrate the testimonies. We're always talking to each other about what we hear God's doing in people's lives because it validates what we do and it brings us together as a family. We talk about books that we're reading. You know, Larry, before he preaches to you, he preaches to us. You know, or we're all talking about, gosh, I was reading this and this and this and blah, blah, blah. And then we have conversations about it. You know, parents are always, well, I don't have anything to talk to my kids about. Well, Talk about what Sunday's sermon was about. Go home and talk about what the message is. Go home and talk about what God's doing in people's lives. You know, create common ground for each other. Okay? Common ground can be telling about, you know, the testimonies going on here at New Beginnings. Let's pray for so-and-so. She's got cancer. I've always tried to involve my kids in the heart of what we do. Not just, we're doing this and this and this. We're taking the world by storm. We're preaching... I involve them in the people's hearts. 
And I'll, t- you know, if I hear about somebody getting healed of cancer or these testimonies I read this morning of someone being blessed, I want my children to know that and to experience that and to be able to feel the rejoicing and the validation of why we do what we do. One of the things that we've always tried to do is to find something that connects with each of the kids. And Katie, you were going to mention, you know, about how you and dad have connected in the last couple years. Yeah. Um, well, we were talking about just finding something that you have in common, you know, with your kid. And like for me and my dad, we like to watch football together. So on Sundays, we love to come home and that's kind of our bonding time. You know, he's always traveling and stuff. And so it's cool that we can find something you know, that we both love to do and that we can sit down together and sometimes mom comes in, but sometimes it's just me and my dad, you know, and that's really cool. It's really helped us to grow and to bond together and, um, you know, just finding something that you ha- you can talk about with your kid or that you have in common, asking them, you know, how school's going or if they're involved in sports, you know, how, how they're doing in those sports, you know, just initiating a conversation with them something that you can both engage in, something that they're interested in, that you, you're interested in, you know, is very important. So let's talk about the emotional boundaries real quick, and then we'll talk about some, some behavior boundaries. Just emotional, real quick. You, as a parent, there's things that you will impart to your children that are life patterns. For instance, when a child is born, they're selfish, okay? When a baby bo- is born, you know, they're not offering to help do the dishes, They're not offering to help take out the garbage. They're not even offering to help change their own diaper. They're just me, 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 me. They cry to be fed, changed, held, whatever. So as parents, we got to transition them out of self-centeredness and meanness and teach them cooperation, teach them to be not the center of their universe, but to to help. And that happens in the family arena. Uh, We teach them their manners, their politeness, their courteousness, their respect for other humans, whether it's young people or whether it's adults. One thing that Larry and I think is so important is that kids learn to respect adults. Larry's a big advocate of yes ma'am, no ma'am. You know, I wasn't raised so much with yes ma'am, no ma'am, but from the heart, we respected adults. And we always gave adults the, 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 the respect that they, they deserved. Uh, you know, there's a current trend right now, and let me just hit on this There is a trend with young people to be sarcastic and cynical and, you know, whatever, all that business. And listen, it is not acceptable. (laughs) Seriously, it is not acceptable and it doesn't have to be. Listen, there is kind of a contempt for adults from kids today. I mean, you see it everywhere. You see it on TV. You see it in the malls. You see this, you know, kids rolling their eyes at their parents and just, you know, it's not acceptable. And listen, this is one thing that from when our kids were little, we did not allow them to be, have contempt, not only for us, but for each other. We didn't allow them just to disrespect and put down and be sarcastic or cynical or if somebody makes a statement, you know, to make them feel like they're dumb or stupid or something. And you don't have to allow that. You know, you really don't. And listen, there's an easy way to do it. You just tell your kids, look, you know what? In this house, this is how we roll. This is how we do it. You know, maybe you've let it go on before, but... You say, from this point on, you know, I got a wake-up call, and I'm not going I'm, I'm to allow this anymore. We're switching things around. In our day, we spanked our kids. So, personally, I like spanking. I think it does the job. Not abusive, not, you know, I'm not, they're not hurting, they, you know, they, it's not even so much hurting them as it is just arresting the situation, bringing it to a head, even just a little swat on the, on the behind. It's nice and padded, but it arrests that situation and brings it to a head. Okay. If you don't believe in spanking or, you know, if the authorities come for me, y'all back me up here, but if you don't want to spank, okay, then let's try this other way. What this man says, he says that you come home, cookies and milk, 
You're not giving him no cookies and milk. Mama, where's my cookies and milk? Well, you know what? Today you were disrespectful to me, and I didn't like that behavior, so no cookies and milk today. If they want to pitch fit, whatever, you know, whatever, fine, but you're not getting your cookies and milk. There's consequences and repercussions. Well, even at a five-year-old, they're going to, hey, this didn't go the way I thought it was. So, you know, you turn that behavior, but you don't just keep doing it and doing it. You know, kids are masters at manipulation. They know if mom says or dad says no, that kid knows if you really mean no on the first no, or if it's going to be three or four no's on down the line when you really get serious and mean business, right? So it's up to us. We can play that game if we want to. We can let our kid, you know, no, I said no. I'm going to beat you. I'm going to, five hours later. Now she means business. You know, just, man, do, get it on. Do it. You know, when they act up, deal with it then. Don't enable them. Because they'll push it and push it and push it, right? Okay, so we, we really control that. So if they're 16-year-old, this is from the book. This guy says, you know, if they're sassing you all day or they're doing this and this, when uh, 5 o'clock Saturday night comes around and they want to ride to their game or they want to ride to their school function or whatever and they're ready to go, you say, no, we're not going tonight. (laughs) What? We're not going? Why? Why I'm not? Because you sassed me today. And from now on, there's consequences and repercussions. And if you want to carry on that way, here's how it's going to be. Know who they're hanging out with. Moms, pay attention. Dads, pay attention. Look, it used to be visible friends. In our generation, my parents knew who I was hanging out with because they could see them face to face. Now, the friends are on MySpace. The friends are on their phones. They might tell you everything's cool, everything's fine. They might put on the right face for you. Parents, figure this out. There is a whole world out there of friends that your kids have that you don't know about. This MySpace thing, okay, if you have to have a MySpace, cool. You know, that's fine. But parents, you may not be a computer techie. You want to become a computer techie. Get in there and monitor your kids' MySpace. Tell them, look, okay, pull it up. Give them a spot check. Just walk in one night and say, pull up your MySpace. Let me see what's on there. Let me see who you're hanging with. Let me see it right now. Pull it up. Don't tell them you're going to do it that night because they can delete, delete, delete. You go in there, surprise them. (laughs) Right? Parents, ask, ask, ask. You are not invading their space. Look, this thing of kids with their doors shut and locked and we have to creep up and knock. May I enter? May I have a moment? Please, please, please have a moment with your mother. Come on. Who's paying for that room? Who's paying for the computer? You know? You got the right to go. I'm, you know, we respect our space. We respect our privacy. No problem. But listen, you need to ask who they are hanging out with. You need to know their friends, know their kids. And I'm not talking just teenagers. I'm talking from a little age. Look, when my kids were little, if I didn't like the way that kids were behaving, I told my kids, I don't want you hanging out with them. I don't like the influence that they're bringing into your life, you know, and, and, and didn't we, from the time they were little, I monitored who they hung out with. I knew the kids that they were going to be hanging with. My kids weren't raised in Christian school. They were raised in public school. So basically they had friends, you know, from school. And I made this rule. If I see them influencing you, it's over. If I see you influencing them, you can hang with them. You set high standards. Don't keep compromising. Expect continual growth and development from your kids. You know, sometimes we expect more from toddlers than we do from teenagers. You know, these guys, Asher and Judah, every day they learn something new. But sometimes we let our kids get into this zone where we don't expect anything from them. And we don't expect growth. We need to continually encourage our kids to grow and get on a path that will lead to success. Stress honesty. Honesty and, listen, the first time your kids do something wrong is very important. If the first time they lie, they all will lie. Kids, we're humans. We're going to do these things. But the first time they lie or if they steal, 
or if they cheat, or if they do, you know, whatever. You need to really deal with it. Don't let it slide and just gloss over it. Deal with it. First time, we've told this story so many times, but the first time Luke stole, he was about three years old. I was in a petrol station in Australia. He picked up a little piece of a broken toy on the floor. It was trash. It would have been swept up in trash, but in his mind, he thought he stole it. Put it in his pocket and walked to the car with, with it in his pocket. <laughs> I see him walk to the car. I said, what you got? Nothing. I said, what's in your pocket? Nothing. I said, Luke, what is in your pocket? He's three years old. He's younger than these guys. He knew that he had stolen this piece. So he pulled it out and showed me. It was a piece of broken plastic. But in his mind, he thought it was some treasure. And he was harboring it. And boy, I mean, it was his first time stealing and last, right? (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. And so I, I marched him back into the store. I made him apologize to the man, give it back. And the gentleman in the store is like, ma'am, it's a piece of trash. I said, but not in my son's eyes. He thought he stole it and he needs to repent and get it right. He got it right. We went home. Should have been over in his mind, but he had to report to dad too. Not only did mom spank him, but dad spanked him and we dealt with it. And I'm telling you, the point was made. Couple, couple years, one year later, whatever, when we moved back to the States, we were walking through the store I was checking out at the grocery store, and Luke is going, ma'am, ma'am, excuse me, ma'am, to the checkout lady. I said, Luke, you don't interrupt. Adults are talking, you don't interrupt. I know, but ma'am, I found this. It was a $100 bill, and he turned it in, and he knew it was big money. If we plant the seeds, we're going to have the bouquet. If we do the hard things sometimes, but the right things, We're going to put our family on a path to success. And it's going to be a wonderful family. It's going to be the family you dreamed about having. Is there issues? Is everything a walk through the rose garden? No. Every family has issues. Every family has to deal with things. Every family has traumas, stresses. You know, it comes with life. comes with the territory. But we have a way through it. We have a path through it. And if we stay on the path, God's going to make sure we get there. And if we mess up or fumble a little bit... All things work together for the good of those that love God. God takes it and turns it around and makes it into something beautiful. And so I just, I wanted to have a little prayer for families today. I really do. I know we have a lot of single moms, single dads, single homes, stressful homes. We have a lot of blended families. You know, divorce rates very high in this day and age. Have a lot of blended families, which that's a whole nother issue. But I want to pray for families because I know the joy of families. And I want to pray a prayer of generational blessings to be released on you. Amen? Has this been helpful for you today? Okay. Would you stand with me and let's have a prayer together. Just stand and just, you know what? Take your neighbor's hand and let's pray together as for, for our own selves and for the people that are next to us. And let's just release the blessing of God into our homes and families today. Father, today we come to you in the powerful name of Jesus. And Father, I just ask you today to honor your word. Today, Lord, we break every curse, every generational curse. We break it today in Jesus' name. Father, today we break every curse that would have come through divorce. We break every generational curse that's been passed on of divorce. We break every curse of children being rebellious. I bind every spirit of division and discord in the homes through the blood of Jesus Christ. I command every spirit of strife to leave our homes now in Jesus' name. We put our foot down and we declare nothing but the will of God in our household. I bind the spirit of influence over our children that the enemy would have. I bind the spirit of the lack of values in our children in this generation in Jesus' name. God, I rebuke the ungodly influence upon our lives and upon our children's lives through the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, Father, we ask you to reverse these curses and release 
your generational blessing in us, for us, and through us. Father, I speak peace. I speak joy. I speak victory. I speak wholeness. Father, I speak harmony and love into our lives and our homes and our children. Father, I pray that you would turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and turn the hearts of the children to their fathers. Lord, I pray that mothers would be reunited with their children. God, I pray that you would bridge that gap with your spirit, with your love and your peace. Father, I pray that you would put your super to our natural. And Father, that as we attempt to do what's right, Father, that as we do our best, you would do the rest. And we commit our homes and our families to you. Restore us, God, where there have been breaches, where there have been problems and traumas. God, restore that, Lord, not only to where it should be, but better than it ever even could be dreamed of. Do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we could ask or think. And Father, raise up a generation as a standard to this world. Father, when the enemy has come in, Lord, like a flood, raise up this generation as a new standard. Let them rebel against the rebellion. Father, let our kids rise up with a holy, righteous indignation to stand up to sin, to stand up to compromise, to stand up to the ungodliness of the world. Let there be a new generation, God, that rises from even from this place and around the world, a new standard, God, and put a desire in all of our hearts to serve you with everything within us. God, I thank you that it's not by might, not by power, but by your spirit and that you watch over your word to perform it in Jesus' precious name. And all God's people shouted, amen. Thank you, thank you, thank you.